the one thing it was so evident last year though guys with 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 the Peterson was such a moron the front office it just it just seemed like a disaster and obviously when they when they threw in the Sud what was that guy's name Sudfeld what the hell his name was and, and oh I got great night Sudfeld experience former yeah, Washington through, fan favorite through, through <laughs> the division to make quote unquote, the roster I don't know leave me alone <laughs> yeah he threw the division because he wanted to see what he had I mean what an absolute joke now obviously now you know. Doug Peterson died a Game of Thrones death for them to get Devonta Smith, which is unbelievable. I mean, they got Devonta Smith because they lost that game. Who you betting on? Always on black, fast stacks in the pocket, whole squad, fast cash. Send the bookie, tell him bring it from the bag. No, we coming for the bag. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. Hello. And Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer, Crookston. What's going on? We are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and the only gambling show that makes you money. Today is the beginning of our NFC week of divisional previews. We're playing Marry, Date, Ghost today. Mrs. Crookston finally got she us. She called We're and was like, no, no Over more and over again she called. Over and My over again she so called. so proud. She's so proud, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for being a trailblazer of this new game. <laughs> Marry, Date, Ghost today. Still the same way we break down the divisions. And will we be giving out a season win total at the end of the show? This is NFC week. NFC East starts us off. We got the north the south and the west coming on for the rest of the week and then september 6th september 6th mark the date in your calendars our biggest show yet it's going to be time for the season-long futures bets out the wazoo this is the same show that went 13 and 5 with their propaganda during the super bowl we will be putting our nose to the grindstone and giving you bets that will win for the nfl future that's coming september 6th but now let's get to the nfc east as you guys know if you listen to our afc shows we cannot break down these divisions without a little bit of help and we have some help today our guest today can be found on twitter at craig hoffman he has been on this show before as a beat reporter for 106.7 the fan in Washington, D.C. He was covering the sports team soon to be known as the Washington Red Wolves. And today he is helping us with the NFC East. As we can see on video right now, he has not gained the quarantine 15 like the rest of us, but we won't hold it against him because he is a fellow Syracuse alum. So please welcome to the show a returning Craig Hoffman. Welcome back, my friend. Man, gas me up. Let's go. Speaking of gassing you up, I do want to say we can find you now on Washington Training Camp Live, your podcast for the Audacity app. You've been doing the training camp with this Washington football team, the Odyssey app. I messed it up at the top. I knew I was going to, but Mr. Craig, you've been at training camp. We had Fernando uh, at the Los Angeles Chargers training camp last week talk about that experience. What can you say about being there in the practice, right on the field, seeing it happen in front of you? Nothing. I don't have to do it anymore. They let me do the podcast titled Washington Training Camp Live without going to training camp. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it has been really cool to talk to the people who have been there. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I did I did the beat thing for five years, um, but I, I did. Uh, I now I just get to talk to the people who do go. So whether it's our insiders, um, Chris Russell and Grant Paulson, uh, who who go out there and, and host shows on our two radio stations here in D.C., um, working with my guy Logan Paulson, longtime uh, Washington football and a couple other teams in the league tight end, uh, who spent some time out there. We had Julie Donaldson, who's part of the team broadcast, um, which could either be a a 
common or proper noun, the team, if you will. Uh, she's part Nobody of the team knows broad, anymore. the broadcast uh, and having her on the show. So we, we've had plenty of voices. And I think some of the interesting stuff from, from training camp in person, one, everyone's excited to be back after a year of not being able to do any witnessing of anything in person because of COVID. Um, but seeing the differences uh, now between Ron Rivera and, and the previous staffs, obviously Jay Gruden when I was covering the team in, in the past couple of years, kind of the crispness and the sharpness and, and, and the pace at which they practice versus how it used to be a little more uh, – Blacks under Jay, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, could matter, could not really matter. But just the differences has been one of the things that I think a lot of people have commented on. And then the other thing that I'm sure we'll get into is for this this Washington team specifically, like watching these dudes run in person, watching Terry McLaren run, watching Deami Brown, uh, their third round pick run. These are and obviously when he's been out there, which hasn't been a ton. Curtis Samuel, um, oh, yeah. Bunch of four three guys out there running around, and, and everyone's been like, "Holy cow! This is this is going to be a really fun team if they stay healthy with the speed that they have." So, well, I haven't had a chance to see that in person yet. Those those have been some of the big takeaways uh, as I sit in my cozy studio, which currently is my home, which is another fun COVID turn. Absolutely, uh, uh, right there with you, buddy. Right there with you. I I do have to say though, we we mentioned this at the top, and it is the question we ask every Washington football team fan when we meet the one of them that is out there in the world. But what do you want the team name to be? Because they're apparently bandying around the final eight ideas right now, trying to narrow it down to three. Is there something you want to stick your hat in that you support? Or is there something even worse that you don't want to? Yeah, I mean, some of them are just terrible. Like the brigade just doesn't... Like some of them sound like... Um, remember, remember in the early like Madden days, you create a franchise and it'd be like Tiburon and then... Yes. Yeah, anything that sounds <laughs> like that... Well. Yeah. Anything that sounds like that's got to go. So like the Washington Brigade sounds like the Tiburon Sharks or whatever it is. Yep. So we can't we can't be doing that. Um, I don't have one that sounds great. I, I do think it's the kind of thing, too, that when you see the logo and you see the entire presentation and, and Jason Wright, their um, team president, has talked a lot about this, where it, it, it's not just about the name. It's about the entire brand. And. You know, for him, he's trying to play up to the fan base and talk about stewarding memories. But, like, I, I don't think that the colors, like, scream modern, fun team. But, like, for a lot of people in the fan base, which has diminished over the years for sure, but is still a very strong nationwide fan base. When I was traveling with the team, um, you know, I was always surprised at how many road uh, fans were on the road, especially considering going to FedEx Field. The home games weren't exactly packed. Uh, it has yep. a lot to do with the stadium. But, um, you know, that it, it's... It's an interesting thing because they don't match the rest of the teams in town. You know, th- there's there's the Capitals and the Nats and, and all these other teams, uh, the Wizards and, and the Mystics and the Spirit, the, the women's soccer team here. They all kind of have that red, white, and blue DC thing. And I yep. think a lot of the names are on that front. And then the colors are still going to be burgundy and gold. So I don't know what they're going to do. Red Hogs seems to be really popular. I mean, do you want to be the Red Hogs? I don't know. It, it does pay homage to the old O-line. It does let you keep the color scheme. Um, that one seems to make the most sense. But, like... I'm afraid that one's going to have a really stupid logo, so I don't have a particular <laughs> brand that I, I super love at this point. I think I kind of liked the Defenders, and I understand that is a Madden simulation name, but for oh whatever reason, God. I think that's, that's a football the, that's team. That's like the Cleveland Guardians all over again. I well, mean, the other we, thing we too, have to do better. We have to do better. The other thing, too, with Defenders is the XFL that lasted three months, they were the DC <laughs> Defenders. So you, you're already that, te- that team's already come and gone. I don't know if you can go back to that. You Plus, there could bring, be some. You can't reanimate that team. That might not be right. a good omen. And, and so here's the other thing, too, with some of the names, and not to get too lost on this tangent, but I'll make this like the 10 second version. I think version. people are interested to know what the hell the team's name's going to be. I, I mean, you know what yes, I mean? but like... how, how, how interested are they in, in legalese? There was a yeah. guy. Probably not. 
who lived in Alexand- who lives in Alexandria, one of the suburbs of DC, who like saw all these names out there and was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to trademark them all. So when they pick one, they're going to have to pay <laughs> me a bunch of money. And so like half the names that they want, this dude has a, a trademark for. He's just going to go random guy in Alexandria. Else is playing checkers. <laughs> right. Put, exactly. put a statue up of that guy. So like the uh, Red Wolves seems to be the We need to get fan. him on the podcast, Craig. Can we get him on the podcast? Uh, I'll, we'll have to, maybe, now I'm going to have to like play agent here and, and apparently this guy's got okay. some cash so we're gonna have to do a brokerage deal but like yeah. red wolves is the one that seems to be the most popular and i think that one's on his list so like i think if this was just red wolves and they had been smarter about trademarking stuff ahead of time this could have been done by now but they don't want to be stuck in a 10-year court battle with this dude who have to pay him millions of dollars to get a trademark for something that they were like hey maybe we'll name our team this and then some guy was smart enough to go like hey dum-dums this isn't trademarked yet i think i'm gonna snag that when has a Snyder team ever been smart, though? That is the real question at hand. But let's get into this division. It is time to marry one of these teams. Each of the hosts is going to give out a marry. This is the division winner. I'm going to go to our, our guest here first. I understand you cover the Washington football team. They are the reigning division winner. But this is the NFC East. There is a new crown every single season when it comes to this division. No one had a winning record on this in this division last year. I do think that changes this year. But who are you going with, Craig, as the champion? Who are you marrying here? I'm probably going to look like an absolute idiot for saying this at the end of the season, but I actually think it's the Washington football team. Like They have the thing that I trust the most. This defense is going to be gross. Unbelievable. As long as they're healthy. And yeah. that's, that's the thing that's harder to predict, right? And for as, as much as people want to talk about Montez Sweat and Chase Young, who could be the best defensive end pairing in the entire league if they are mm-hmm. both healthy and continue to progress the way we think they are, there is not any depth behind them. You're looking at a bunch of seventh-round picks behind them interior line they've got a lot more depth John Allen who they just signed to a contract extension is great I actually think Deron Payne's a better player everyone loves Allen because he's a leader and he's out front and he was here a year earlier and Payne's kind of like the little brother I actually think Deron Payne's a better football player than Jonathan Allen whatever that's worth keep that in the back of your mind when they let Payne walk and and they've already signed Allen Um, Matt Ioannidis is back for them who is really really good he was a fifth round pick like four years ago, I think, at this point. Um, but he's an excellent, like, borderline Pro Bowl caliber player in terms of the production that he's had. Uh, and they, they also have Tim Settle inside. So they, they have a really good D-line rotation. The linebacker's a bit of a question mark just in terms of does their first-round pick, Jamin Davis, ultimately pan out the way they want him to in year one? How yep. much can they put on his plate? But I like the options they have. Corner, they've got some good players. They signed William Jackson the third in the offseason to, to help supplement that position. Kendall Fuller's still around. And then One safety, of the Landon Collins. In the NFL. You can't beat the speed on the outside, William Jackson. Absolutely. Um, and, and they're going to play a lot of different coverages this year than they had they did last year last year they were almost exclusively a zone team because they didn't have great cover guys and a bunch of their dudes were hurt this year they, they feel like they've got some more depth and are going to probably mix and match coverages a little, a little bit man, more yeah. which should make them harder to, to to game plan against and then at safety like cam curl was a revelation last year as a rookie he's back and collins looks great in the preseason and he healthy. looks like he's going to be back uh bobby mccain's a vet they brought in to rotate in that safety position as well so like when i look at what's like the surest unit in the division, it's Washington's defense. And by the way, offensively, they should be really good. Um, as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is yeah. not disastrous, if he can, and this might be the easiest task that Fitzpatrick has had in his entire career. Like he's put up numbers and, and won some games in some spots, but he's he's done a lot of like I have to improvise. I have to maybe have one guy. He's got Terry McLaurin, who's as good as I don't want to say as good as anybody. He's not a plus, but like he's an A receiver, a legit 
bona fide He's a receiver. One. I think any coach would be happy to have on 100%. their team as a one, right? I, I don't want to interrupt you, but we don't know if he's an A-plus because who he's had thrown in the ball. He very well could be an A-plus, and we will see the finished product of Terry McLaurin this year. So I'll push back. Like, I love Terry. He's, he's my one of my favorite humans I ever covered. And so this is as close to a negative thing as I'll ever say about Terry McLaurin. I just don't think he's as explosive, like, as a jumper. And it's just, like, as twitchy as DeAndre Hopkins, right? If DeAndre Hopkins is, is it, I don't think Terry is quite that. But he's as good as you can possibly be right below that. Like, tier so 1A, like, you know? Exactly, I mean? like, yeah. exactly. But, like, to the point that he's, he's a bona fide number one option. Um, he's just not going to ever, I think, be the best receiver in the league. But if there's like four guys in that mix, Terry might be five for the next seven years. Do you get the sense, obviously he was reunited with his college teammate, um, Curtis Samuel, from a university we don't speak of on this podcast. <laughs> but do you get the sense do, do you get the sense that uh, an acquisition like that uh, is a little boost of morale for a guy that's obviously coming off a big year? Does that mean anything to you as someone who covers the team? As I'm talking about the tandem as a receiver, those guys really can, – can he elevate – can Scary Terry elevate Samuel's game? Because obviously he's been good when healthy, but he's had a hard time staying on the field. What's your stance on that? Yeah, uh, and by the way, it's the university that we don't speak of on this podcast. So you got <laughs> to get it right. I don't give him the the. <laughs> I, f- I figured as much by the other name. Uh, but I, th- I think that it's twofold. Like, one, it's a nice story, right? They're, they've been boys forever, and it, it is what it is uh, on, like, the personal front. Who wouldn't front. want to play on a college teammate, right? Like, yeah, you know like, what I, mean? I mean, that's exciting, but, like, we've been through that with Dwayne Haskins and see how that worked out. So I, I think Terry's, like, mature and professional enough to know that just because his old buddy's around doesn't mean that, like, everything's going to be all hunky-dory. I think Terry McLaren's excited for Curtis Samuel because – that's another dude who can dictate coverage. Yeah. And Terry has been it the last couple of years. And with all due respect to Cam Sims and, and some of the other guys that have been around, even Logan Thomas, who's like a very good tight end and is becoming a top 10 caliber NFL tight end, he's not a guy that you necessarily game plan for. You got to know where Curtis Samuel is at all times, and yep. you have to track him as he does you know, all the motion stuff that he does. Otherwise, you're screwed. Like, you lose that guy, and it's a touchdown. But the same is true for Terry. And so... Having a, another guy that, and I remember having these conversations with with both Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell when they were here as OCs, and they kind of looked at offense this way. When the defensive coordinator sets up his meeting, he's going to go up and write numbers on the board. And what it used to be when I was covering the team and, and those guys were here as the OC, there was one number that went up on the board, a post to Sean Jackson and Pierre Garçon leaving, and it was 86, and it was only up there about half the season because Jordan Reed was hurt a ton, Yep. right? And, but he was the only thing that they had. Now, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're scouting Washington, you better write 17 up there for McLaren. You better write Curtis Samuel up there. You better say, hey, when Deami Brown, this rookie, is on the field, you better be alert because he's going to run by you, and that's a touchdown. Uh, you better be kind of aware of what Logan Thomas is doing. You better be aware of what Antonio Gibson is doing. If it's third down, you better know where J.D. McKissick is as yeah. a third down back. So, yeah. like... They'll design offense for it. You want to give up an easy first down? Lose track of J.D. McKissick. I'm not telling you he's, like, dynamic, but in certain situations, you have to be aware of him. He gives options, and and he's an extra variable that you have to plan for, and and that in and of itself makes makes it more challenging to plan for the team. 100%. And if he's getting, like, your fourth or fifth best coverage option, that's an advantage for Washington. Absolutely. And so... When, you know, getting back to where I started this long meandering point uh, about two and a half questions ago, like this is the easiest task that Fitzpatrick has ever had yeah. because he's got a bunch of weapons, and, and it simply are the is your one better is my one better than your one is my two better than your two, and the answer across the board 
if for Washington, it's going to be yes in a lot of games. There just aren't going to be a ton of cover, you know, top flight corners that are like, yeah, I got it easy today. I got Terry McLaurin. Yep. I, number two guys who are, I got it easy. I got Curtis Samuel. Even slot guys like, hey, I got it easy. I got Adam Humphreys. Like, Adam, Adam Humphreys, Humphreys had a great a solid, year a couple years ago. Solid slot wide receiver. No, I'm, I'm with you, Craig, for all of those reasons. I'm also marrying the Washington football team. And just to put the bow on everything that you you put up there, they have a really veteran offensive line there with Chase Roulier, with Brandon Sheriff. Wes Schweitzer has played around. Charles Leno is a guy I think he used to be with the Bears, but he's got a mm-hmm. number of years. Like this is this is a he was a he was a turnstile with the Bears. I just have to say, keep well, going, Dangle. Okay, but maybe okay, so maybe he was, but maybe he has a rebirth in uh, maybe he has a rebirth here in Washington. All I'm saying is they have pieces. To just, just all of your point, they have pieces. They have probably more to work with than Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever had to work with in his career. Uh, and and you brought up the defense. I think they are absolutely still the team to beat. And I want to root for them because Ron Rivera is like the knight in shining armor for vaccination in the NFL. And I love <laughs> that he's being. I love Let's that he's being a hard ass about it so I want to root for the first time in a really long time maybe since I can ever remember I want to root for the Washington football team I uh I have to say guys I'm right there with you I'm not gonna wax poetic about it because Craig already did that for us and he mentioned all the reasons why I have Washington picked to repeat as the NFC's champions I love this team this year because of that defense and how young and how aggressive they are four first round picks the last four years on that defensive line and then this past draft they spent the first round pick on Jamin Davis who Ron Rivera in interviews has talked about giving him the Luke Keekley role he might not be ready to step into Luke Keekley type shoes yet according to Ron Rivera but he's getting the opportunity to call the plays on defense call out the coverages put guys where they're supposed to be the pressure and responsibility is on him and who better to coach a middle linebacker than Ron Rivera I love this defense I think they're going to win games close I think they're going to win games tight Ryan Fitzpatrick we saw in Miami can do just enough if the defense can keeps him in it to win the game in the end I trust Fitzpatrick with this offense and I'll be taking unders all year long in their games because the defense I don't know how you score in them In the playoffs last year, this was the only team that gave Tampa Bay's offense trouble, and that was with Taylor Heineke at the helm. I just think this is a better team. I love Washington this year. Schaefer the Sharp, we go to you for our last marry. Well, guys, I think the one thing that Fitzmagic has proven over the course of his career is when he is when he when he has that starting job, he seems to regress a little bit in his performance as opposed to when he's coming off the bench, kind of the bullpen. Now you know, what I saw from Taylor Heineke last year in the playoffs, I was impressed with it. I don't care what anyone says. I was extremely impressed in that postseason performance. But as Craig has said, he's talked about their defense at length. I don't need to repeat anything he said because he was way more articulate than it could ever be talking about that <laughs> defensive side of the unit. The best unit in this division, I 100% agree. When you look at the Washington football team's weapons, what would you been over? Scary Terry, Samuel, Logan Thomas, which our friend Chris Dell actually pointed out in as a fantasy sleeper, and obviously Gibson and McKissick with an offensive line. You look at this division. How can you not? How can you not? I'm making a clean sweep. You're marrying the Washington football team. I 100% agree with this, that they will be back in the playoffs as division champs. I'm My only, my only hint... My hint of pessimism is we've seen this story before with Fitzmagic. Once he gets that starter's role, you know you're going to bang your head on the table. You have a bet on him at some point. He's going to throw into quadruple coverage, get a pass picked <laughs> off. It's going to drive you crazy. He's going to make some boneheaded plays throughout the year. The question: This is my X factor with the football team. I think it's the second biggest coaching advantage in all the divisions with the exception of one, which we'll, we'll key on later. But I give a massive, massive coaching edge to the football team with Rivera as opposed to you have a second-year guy in Joe Judge, you have a first-year guy Nick, in, in Nick uh, Serrani, and also finally— and You have a human Mike Twinkie McCarthy's, in Mike McCarthy. 
Mike McCarthy's not doing himself any favors in hard knocks this season. So I love the coach. Go out there and do football stuff, guys. Good job. Good job playing football. Marrying the Washington football team, a clean sweep of the West Coast Gamblers. I love that. I love that. Good for Washington, man. I'd love to see it. But let's move on to who we're dating. And Drew's already brought them up right here. Listen, I don't want to do this, but this is kind of that thing. You see someone, you've known someone for a long time, then you don't see them for a while, and they get a little bit of a makeover. Maybe they start a new fitness training regimen. They're eating better. They're a little bit healthier, and suddenly they're walking down the street, and you go, who the F is that guy? And we're talking about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys because this team has the opportunity and has the players to make waves, especially on offense. If Zeke is a little bit thinner he and he stops fumbling the ball, he can get back to where Zeke was. If Dak Prescott's shoulder's okay and his ankle's fine, he can get back to where Dak was. CeeDee Lamb looks like he's a number one wide receiver already. Amari Cooper has proven he's a number one wide receiver already. And then Michael Gallup, everyone's been waiting for him to break out. Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz can do whatever you need on t- uh, as a tight end. And then Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl, question mark, for my Green Bay Packers. But I really cannot stop looking to date this Dallas Cowboy team. In fact, Vegas has them as their win total as the highest one in the division. I'm not sure I'm taking that number. But talk me out of Dallas, guys. Am I the only one dating this team, Dangles? No, I can't talk you out of Dallas. I'm dating them too. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, on defense, you know, that's, I think, been a lot of the question mark for them. Everybody knows they have a very good offensive line. You talked about the talent at wide receiver. Dak being healthy is huge. Um, You know, and and, and look, their defense isn't stellar, but I think that Dan Quinn, as much as you hate him, Tony, is an upgrade from Mike Nolan and what we saw over the last couple of years. I think that's a step in the right direction. I think you're seeing that a little bit in the the preseason game so far as well. So, no, I'm with you. I like Dallas uh, as my date this year for this. I think they're a team to be high on and and I don't think you'd be nuts to bet an over on them necessarily if you felt that I I will not be doing that but I don't think you'd be nuts to do it I think they have uh four guaranteed wins in the Giants and Philly I'll tell you that but the other two let's go to our guest Craig am I an idiot for taking Dallas as my date to the prom here no not at all they they are they're the flirtiest team right like they're the one that it, it feels wrong um, because yeah, it feels yes, like it they're does. chaos, right? It feels like with Dak that this is just a bad situation. The contract stuff that, that went on longer than it should have, um, you know, the same kind of had the same feeling last year with Zeke. Uh, he's got the shoulder that he's, he's in, he's out, he's, he's out, he's out, he's out, he's out. When the hell is he coming back in? Like th- this, this feels bad if I'm a Cowboys fan right now. I'm not feeling good about this season. But then I pull up the depth chart and I go, okay, I feel good now. Like, offensively, they should be gross. Like, if Zeke is Zeke, and with the way these receivers are, and if Dak is back to where he is capable of, this offense should put up 25 a game and have a couple of, you know, three, four games where they drop 40. Um, Because they they just have so much big play potential. Yeah, like, CeeDee Lamb's really good. Um, Amari Cooper, you know, we talk about that level that can can Terry McLaurin get there. Like, Amari Cooper is that level. When he's right, he's as good of a route runner as there is in the league. Yeah. His quickness, his precision in his routes, he's incredible. I, I I just never got why, like, Oakland gave up on him and why it never really worked there, I guess, because... It's Oakland. You know, it was, it was Oakland. <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> it did, well, it, it didn't Oakland, work in man. Oakland so bad, they moved out of Oakland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, defensively, you know, Parsons could be a really good player for them as a rookie. Uh, he's kind of this impact kind of guy that fell because he's got some stuff that's not great. Uh, and But at the end of the day, on Sundays, like as, as much as I he's don't hungry, want to dismiss though, that. You know? He's hungry. Yeah, he's as, certainly as hungry. Much as I, 
yeah, as much as I don't want to dismiss that, like it doesn't matter when they go between the lines on Sundays. Like nope. he gets to make plays, and they don't take off points because you did some really shady shit in college. And he's so, surrounded by great talent at the linebacker position, so it's not going to be all on him. Hundred percent. And so, if their defense can just hold, their offense should be good. Um, and so, they're the team that scares me the most. If I'm anyone else in this division, because they're, I even think more than Washington, like their ceiling is extremely high. Yes. I just don't know how likely they are to to reach it. And they do feel like an organization that, if it goes wrong, the explosion could be equally spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean. And we talked earlier when we covered the AFC last week, we talked about teams that are up against it like Denver and Vic Fangio. They know that this is their make-or-break year. In my opinion, this is a make-or-break year for Mike McCarthy in the hot seat in Dallas because if they perform under expectations again, he's not going to be able to talk about the injuries as an excuse. A lot riding on Mojo Mike. Schaefer the Sharp, are you uh, taking uh, Dallas to the prom as well here? Guys, I'm not. I'm not Whoa! taking Dallas. All right. I, I'm going to go. I'm Who else go are you going with? Here. Yeah. I'm going a little off script here. Now, notice that I'm not talking season totals, but I am going to buy a little little training camp hype on the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. And here's why. Okay. I'm okay. not I'm not I'm not a Jalen Hurts. I'm not a Jalen Hurts believer. However, he has looked impressive in training camp on 7 on 7s. I know that's not 11 on 11, but you know, this this surrounding guy who embarrassed himself in his first press conference seems to have those players playing for him. Now, what did Philly have last year or sorry, what did they not have last year? Anyone that could catch the goddamn football. They could have no receivers. Well, now they have Jalen Rieger, Quez Watkins, and Devonta Smith, who was my favorite player of all last draft, all under 25, all having really good training camps. So maybe, just maybe, Hurts has someone to throw the ball to. He can use his legs. If Miles Sanders is healthy, which he's, again, he's never healthy, but if he's healthy, I think this Eagles team is a fun team to date. You know, go out on a, fr- a happy hour, maybe a Saturday morning hike, you know, just something like that. Now, Again, I'm not tying. I'm not tying my lot to them. I'm not. I'm not spending a ton of money on them. I'm not wooing them. Going on weekend excursions. They're just risking. We're not going. Great, to, we're not going yeah. to Nobu or anything yeah. like that. I think it's a great. It's a great happy hour date. Nice morning hike. So I'm gonna date the Eagles. <laughs> the only, I mean, look, they're frisky. You know, I like it. I like Jalen it. Jalen Hurts. Hey. The only thing I worry about with that is he takes longer than anybody else in the NFL to throw the football, and you got some uh, pretty formidable pass rushers coming at him between between Demarcus Lawrence, you got you know Leonard Williams, and obviously you talked about Montez Sweat, uh, uh, and uh, oh my God, the other guy whose name is escaping me right now, K- Chase Young. Of course, how can I forget Chase Young coming off the edge in Washington? You got to see them twice a year. That's that's not going to be fun. I just I don't know. There's a not not enough for me. Uh, not enough for also, me to get on board uh, with the Eagles, but I like I like you going out on a limb there, Drew. I am with you on. I, I do like what I see. I love Devonta Smith as well, and I'm also uh, I, I'm a fan of some of the skill position players on that team, some more than most. But the beginning of the year at Atlanta with Arthur Smith, then they host San Fran at this Dallas team, host Kansas City. That's tough. That's a tough, and if you tough start off, to start. if you start off losing a couple of those games, then Nick Sirianni, the 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 shine rubs off a little bit on him, and it starts to be an interesting situation in a hard market in Philadelphia. The one thing it was so evident last year, though, guys, with 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 the Peterson was such a moron, the front office, it just it just seemed like a disaster. And obviously, when they when they threw in the Sud, what was that guy's name? Sudfeld, what the hell his name was? It, and oh, I got great night Sudfeld experience, former yeah, Washington through, fan favorite. Through, <laughs> The division to make quote the unquote, roster. I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, he threw the division because he wanted to see what he had. I mean, what an absolute joke. Now, obviously, now you know, Doug Peterson died a Game of Thrones death for them to get Devonta Smith, which is unbelievable. I mean, they got Devonta Smith because they lost that game. Yeah. So 
I, I, but I do think, I do think even if Sir, even if Sirani is some moron, I do think at least the attitude, the general consensus at camp has got to be a little upbeat because Peterson, you could just tell he was Dan Quinn 2.0. He just, he just had got, he had got, he had to go, had to go. Uh, I think I know who the three uh, ghosts are from the host of this podcast. So let's go to our guest. The next step of this is who we swiped right on and we're no longer That's texting. That's not true. Oh, okay, hold on, Drew. We'll hold on on you, buddy. But uh, uh, Craig, I want to go to the guest first. Who are we ghosting in this division? Uh, it's I keep going back and forth, to be honest, between obviously Dallas and and or sorry, between um, New York and Philly, because Philly like they are intriguing. They have some weapons, but New York has one weapon in particular that is going to make them a pain in the butt. So I think I'm gonna ghost Philly. Because I, I like I don't believe in Hurts. I don't believe that this team really is on the right track at all defensively. Like I, I don't really know where they're at. They seem like they're a team in transition that eventually is going to build up to something that is, when they're good again, not very reminiscent of what they look like right now. Yeah, that's not me telling you that New York is good. It's just telling me telling you that New York has Saquon Barkley, and if they ride him and he's as good as we all think he is, and as good as he's shown to be that stylistically, like, that's going to be a lower possession number game, and they're going to be a, a team that's just annoying to play and might steal a few games on accident and is probably going to, like, they're going to wind up with a better record than they belong having based off of their talent, because which obviously screws them in the long term because they could use a couple of more really high draft picks, and they're going to wind up, like, somewhere in that 12 range again in the draft. So I, I think Philly has the bigger flame-out potential, and I just I want nothing to do with them. Let me disagree with you completely. I, I, I do believe Philly has flame-out potential, but I know for a fact that this New York Giants team is not good. And I just don't think it's a well-built team. I don't like the offensive line that's going to be protecting one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, in Daniel Jones, and then making the run blocks for Mr. Saquon Barkley, coming off a, a really tough injury. We talk about Dak's injury and how will he look when he comes back. Saquon's very similar. It's not easy for a running back of his stature and of his body type to come back from that injury. I'm interested to see how that works. I really don't like this team. I don't like that Kenny Galladay can't seem to either stay healthy or get open in camp, and they spent a lot of money on him. Sterling Shepard's one year older. John Ross is there. Darius Slayton is good, but he's he's a fifth-round pick for a reason. These aren't world beaters on the outside, and Evan Ingram was still waiting to appear. And then on the defensive side, they have a couple of cast-offs from other teams like Blake Martinez that have starting roles here and can play for them. I just don't see this defense holding up to even a Philly-type offense. I don't see them beating Washington at all. I don't see them beating a good Dallas team at all, and I think they lose up to Philly in the end I have no problem ghosting this New York Giants team even with the hype I think I I mean we want to talk about head coaches and whether they have a locker room Joe Judge what he's done four people retired in the middle of the training camp on this guy I'm not sure Joe Judge in that New England way works out of New England I'm 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 ghosting the New York Giants Dangles I think you agree with me I do actually yeah Uh, I am ghosting the Giants as well I mean, look, short of a Josh Allen-like glow-up this year for Danny Dimes, I'm ready to label him a bust. Like, this this is a guy who's supposed to come in and be the next, you know, the, the next franchise quarterback. He doesn't throw the ball deep. He's not efficient when he throws the ball short yardage. 
I mean, what are we going to do if Saquon Barkley gets – I don't think Saquon Barkley has ever played a full season, has he? He's been injured both both years, uh, so we haven't seen a full 16, now 17 games out of Saquon Barkley. I want to root for the kid as much because I think he's he's a – you know, we all heard, heard about how he's a generational talent, blah, 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 all these things, and he is. He's proven to be when he's, when he's healthy, when he's healthy. And short of that, even with that, it's – you know, you can game plan for Saquon. What are we going to do when you can't – you know, when, when Daniel Dimes can't complete throws or can't hold on to the football? Fumbles are still in issue ball security with this kid so I don't know there's too many too many variables at play for me here I think I'm I'm going to ghost the New York Giants I just don't I just don't trust I, I after all these years I don't trust the way that Dave Gettleman is building this team and I, hate and, I and I and I agree with you they're sh- and they're sh- they're they're they're, sh- they're built well up the middle but there's they're s- slow on the outsides and again you talk about the receivers you're gonna have to be dealing with if you don't have good corners I mean this is like what James Bradbury and um I like and, James and Bradbury. Jackson, I will step on that Adore I like Jackson. James Bradbury but I will say uh Dangles uh you forgot to mention he's it's coach Jason Garrett calling the offensive plays there for right. Danny Dimes we know how yeah. brilliant of a mind coach Jason Garrett is Shay for the sharp I think you kind of spoiled this already but you're not going to be killing the Giants what are you doing no I'm this is I, I'm actually surprised that this is consensus among you guys because this is all about expectations so who am I ghosting have we watched Hard Knocks? Dangles, Dangles has said it himself. What, what, are, what are we watching here? What are we watching? Now, the Giants are going to go out. They're going to try to compete. They're going to try to have a winning record. The Cowboys' expectations, air quotes, expectations each year, Super Bowl bust. You, you match this team up with Tampa Bay, Green Bay, San Francisco, the Rams. They're not even close. Prescott has even played. I am very, very suspicious of his health. They're holding him out. And you guys want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Well, I hate to break it to you guys. He's not the Zeke. He's never coming back. He's had three straight years of declining yards per carry, attempts, and rush yards total. Everyone knows the running back in the NFL, an age-old thing. Now, he's only 27 years old, but he is – I mean, you could make an argument that Tony Pollard could be a better – like have equal equal carry share. Yeah. Now, obviously, like, like Craig said, offensive side of the ball, they look electric, but it's all contingent – on them being healthy. We've seen this story before. I'm not convinced Dak is healthy. Of course, I'm going to do this with a grain of salt because if Dak is healthy and he plays to his ability, then of course that this team should be right there. They're favored to win the division. I just think based on their expectations, I think it's completely off. Let's not forget Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, that coaching carousel is not someone I want to be bad on. You guys know what I think about Doug Nussmeyer. And here's my last thing. They open up Thursday night football, six and a half point dogs against the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Bucks and the GOAT himself, TB12. Then they have to travel to the West Coast to play the upstart Justin Herbert-led Los Angeles Chargers. If and if they lose those two games, their own two, they play their home opener Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, and boy, oh boy, that pressure on them to perform, their assholes are going to be the size of almonds, and I would not want to be in that locker room if they're 0-3, boys. I am ghosting the Dallas Cowboys. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's let's move on to the season-long win go totals. Ahead, let's be quick about it. Go ahead, it. Craig. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to like say, I, it was a tough call because I don't think either of those teams are really good, and I do think that there's high bust potential for all four of these teams. Like, if Fitzpatrick, he's 40. Like, if yeah. it goes south, like, I don't, I don't, Heineke was fine in, in the divisional game. He's, his excitement level exceeds his good level. And so, like, I don't trust him. Kyle Allen, I don't trust him either. He might wind up being QB2 anyway. Um, so, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, you know, I don't, that, that everything Drew just said about Dallas is 100% true. Philly, I don't know. And you guys are 100% right on the Giants. Like, 
they're not good. I, that Me not picking them isn't some endorsement that they're good. So th- this is the NFC East. This is what it is every single year. The hard part is trying to predict the injury stuff, and that's impossible because yeah. this sport is too violent. This sport is too, you know, it's too difficult to no, play without No, we're choosing between having, like, dysentery, syphilis, and typhoid on the Oregon Trail here. Jesus it's not, Christ, it's not really a great decision in any way you go. I don't think all of those Maybe lower stakes, Dangle, slightly lower stakes than that, but similar. Maybe slightly lower stakes than that, but, but the concept speaking, is there. Speaking of lower stakes, let's up the stakes. Let's put out our Brinks Truck bet of the week. We're giving out a season-long win total for a team in this division. I will go first. It's the team that I'm killing. Seven wins is too much for this Giants team. I really think they're one of the worst teams in the league because of Daniel Jones. I just don't see it. I don't see them winning games. And behind Daniel Jones, it's Mike Glennon. We saw what Mike Glennon could do last year. It's not a team I want to bet on. (laughs) Under seven wins for the Giants. Dangles? Tony, we Tony, we got to stop meeting like this, man. I've also got the Giants under seven wins at plus uh, one ten. They've got some tough matchups on their schedule this year, in addition to the in division games that I think I don't think any of which are a gimme. You know, maybe they pull one off against the Eagles, but uh, you know, and maybe they pull one off against you know one off against Washington or Dallas. But they also have to play the Falcons, the Saints, the Rams, the Panthers. Yeah. They have yeah. the Chiefs, the Bucks. Uh, the, they have to go to Tampa to play the Bucks. They have to go to Miami to play the Dolphins. They have to to go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. They have to go to Chicago to play the Bears. None of those are games that I think the Giants are going to be competitive in. Seven wins I'm not finding as I'm looking at this schedule, and I think plus 110 is a great number to get at, as much of a sure thing as you can find in a very shaky division that can be hard to predict. All right, and before we go to our resident sharp, Drew Schaefer Crookson, let's go to our guest, Mr. Craig Hoffman. Do you have a win total bet for our listeners? I do, and it's the same one you guys have. Yes. Uh, I I mean, under seven for the Giants seems like, what's the scenario in which they win eight games? I don't see uh, it. I look at the I schedule, have I a better chance it. of winning seven and a half, you which heard is the, not even possible. <laughs> you heard the yeah. teams <laughs> I just named. They don't beat most yeah. of those road teams that they have to go play no, that are uh, out uh, of uh, division. The, the way, they get, the way they get the eight wins is if Daniel Jones shows that he's a first-round pick at quarterback. That's the only that's way. Right, that's it. But he's not. He's they, not. They're not good. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel I feel pretty comfortable with, like, I mean, I shouldn't say pretty comfortable. I think the Dallas under nine is like, like would be my second, uh, or maybe even Washington over eight and a half. I like Washington over eight and a half. That was the but other one I was looking I at here. I, well. I, I like that price, too, at minus 115. Not bad for something that I think will probably happen. As I mentioned in the date segment, though, there's something that just feels terribly off about Dallas. But riding that versus the, hey, the Giants are really bad and Vegas thinks they're going to win seven, uh, I, I'll just go with that. Although they don't air condition the desert because they lose. Shave for the sharp. <laughs> well, boys, leave it to the sharp to make a bet that everyone's too scared to make. My best bet for this division will be the Washington football team over eight and a half nice. at minus 115 for, for, for a litany of reasons. But, but more so than this, we've talked about them at length in this pod. We don't need to go over the roster. This is what I like the most. I told you about the coaching matchup. Did you know five of the, they end the season with five, count them, five division games starting at week 14. They, they won't play Dallas or Philadelphia till week 14. They flip-flop between those two teams. They end at the New York Football Giants. Give me this Ron Rivera-led team. Give me this, give me this Fist Magic-led team to get 10, 12 games under their belt. Under their belt. If they have a chance, if they have a chance to win that division, which they proved last year they can do, I like this team to really close out the year strong, knowing everything's ahead of them. They should control their own destiny if, as long as they can keep their head above water. And again, we're betting on them to be 
over 500. That's it. We're not betting on them to win yeah. 11 games. Yeah. Yeah. We're not betting on them to win 12 games. We're betting on them not even to win their division. We're betting on them to be 500. I love this bet. Washington football team over 8.5 minus 115. I like it, Drew, and thank you for that. And thank you for Craig coming on the show, helping us break down the NFC East. Again, for Tony Cavallo, for Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, for Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and we are the West Coast Gamblers, the only gambling show that makes you money, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Tomorrow we're coming out with my NFC North breakdown, my Green Bay Packers, the last dance, last chance for Aaron Rodgers to win his second ring. I know Drew's going to hate me talking about it, but I'm already gloating. I'm pumped about it. As as always, thank you for listening. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 